Hello, and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. Good morning and welcome to today's service. Can I just say for those of you joining us for the first time, you are welcome. For those of us who regularly attend this fellowship, you're also welcome. And I just pray that and trust that you all be blessed and that includes myself. So I'm just going to start off by casting our minds back to when we had the Easter message. Now, we regularly have an Easter message every year, but one thing that actually stood out for me was the aspect about remembering that Jesus Christ will return back to take the faithful ones home. Now, is this something that I know? Yes, I do. But it is something that's regularly preached on an Easter message. Maybe not so much, but I'm glad that that message, that part of it was preached and it struck a chord in me. And that led me to a couple of scriptures that I'm going to share with us this morning before we get into our main service. So if you have your Bibles with you, which you should do, or your devices, whatever it is, open up to Romans chapter 6, verse 8. Romans chapter 6 and verse 8. And I'm going to read from the NIV version. It says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also we would also live. The Amplified says, together with him. I'll repeat that. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live together with him. Another scripture that I want to share with us is 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. And particular attention to be paid to the latter part of it. It says, love has perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. I ask you to hold on to that thought as we go into today's message. Let us pray. Father, we just so thank you. We thank you because you are our father. You are the alpha and the omega of our lives the beginning and the end, and you're everything in between. Father, we commit today's message into your hands, and we ask that you take control. I ask, Father God, that you speak through me, not my words, but your words from the throne of grace. And I pray that each and every one of us will be blessed in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the expectations of the righteous will not be cut short, and I know that our expectations will not be cut short in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, my message today, I'm going to hold off before I give you that title. But let's open up to John chapter 8 and verse 25. John chapter 8, verse 25. You can read along with me. It says, who are you? Three simple words. Who are you? They demanded. And this was Jesus' reply. He says, the one I have always claimed to be. Don't you just love that? Now, when I read that, a couple of things came to mind. What Jesus was basically saying is, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He was saying, I do not change. He was saying, I am consistent. Now, just to give us a bit of background to this account, the religious teachers and the Pharisees caught a woman in adultery and they brought her to Jesus. Now, my question is, where was the man? Well, that's a message for another day. Now, according to the law of Moses, she was meant to be stoned to death. But what they were actually after was being able to trap Jesus. So they brought the woman to Jesus and said, this is what the law of Moses says. When we catch someone in adultery, we bring her to the marketplace, we stone her to death. What do you say? And Jesus, knowing their hearts, with the wisdom that God has given him, said nothing. And he wrote on the floor. Eventually, they all moved back. Now, like I said, that's actually another message in itself. My question to us today is, if someone say, mentions the name Jesus or God, very quickly, you can attribute certain characteristics to him. You can say who he is, what he is to you. Now, if we flip that on its head and we ask ourselves, or I ask you, who are you? Who are you really? What would your answer be? Now, if you look at that scripture in the whole of that chapter, John chapter 8, the, quest, the, the, the religious leaders and the Pharisees that questioned Jesus actually knew who he was because they called him teacher. Another, uh, another um, passage would say rabbi. So they actually knew who he was. Now, verse 12 of that same scripture or that same chapter says, and this was Jesus while he was teaching because he was on the Mount of Olive while he was teaching. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow down to verse 18, it says, I am one witness and my father is the other witness. And this was according to the law of Moses. And these were where they were questioning him backs and forwards. But the one that struck a chord with me was verse 28. He says, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you would understand who I am. Now, if you remember a few weeks ago, for those of you who have listened to the message, I preached a message on us being focused. Now, in that passage, we shared Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus was asking his disciples, who do people say I am? And they gave the different variations, you know, John the Baptist, you know, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he got specific and he says, who do you say that I am? And out of all the disciples that were there, Simon Peter answered. And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, he said that based on a revelation that he had. He had spent time with Jesus. He had spent time in prayer. He had known how Jesus operates. And he came to that conclusion. And because he knew who Jesus was, he was able to walk with him with that knowledge and with that understanding. Who are you? 
That's the question God's asking us today. Now, when Jesus was crucified, the Roman officers and the other soldiers that were with him, at some point, when there was an earthquake, came to that realization. And this was what they said in Matthew 27, 54. Matthew 27, 54. It says, the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And then they said, this man truly was the son of God. So you see, time and time and time again, right? Jesus' identity is being, you know, it's coming to the forefront. They know who he is. Now, when you, if you pick a name and you add a characteristic to it, if you were to say to me, right, tell me about Jesus, I would come up with words like, he's loving, he's forgiving, he's hospitable, he's faithful, he's obedient. He's now, every single attribute that I've just read out mentions your name or mentions my name. What are the characteristics associated to us? What would someone say about you? Now, there's a lady that I know very well. And, you know, every time, if someone was to mention her name, the first thing that will come to my mind is, Mama Love, because this is something that we attribute to her. Now, if she was in a, in a gathering and someone said, Mama Love, nobody else would turn around because she would turn around because this is something that's actually attributed to her. Now, question is, what would people attribute to you? See, we all live in this global supermarket called life. From cradle to grave, everyone needs to go through it. And life pro presents us with a lot of products and services for that matter. Some products we pick off the shelf. Some are presented to us. But none of these products or services are we ever forced to buy. We have a choice. So where you shop and what you buy is your choice. The friends that you decide to have are your choice. Where you work, your choice. What you decide to watch on TV is your choice. And that list goes on. Where you, what you want to eat, what you want to drink, where you go on holidays, where you actually fellowship. That's a choice that you have to make and we all have to make. Now, we need to choose either to love, to be obedient, to be humble, to be patient, to be forgiving or hospitable. These are all choices that we have to make in life, whether we like it or not. Now, there's one other choice that we need to make. And that is the choice that really rules our life. Everyone needs to choose to accept Christ and to walk with him or not. 
But the Bible teaches us that the best thing that can ever happen for, to us is to choose to have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. So whatever choices we make in life, there are two outcomes. There are either benefits from it or there are detriments from it. Now, I don't know if you've watched this program. It's called Deal or No Deal. Now, I haven't watched it recently. But when you watch that program, for those of you who have seen it, there are boxes. And people are standing behind those boxes. Now, in those boxes are amounts of money. Not physical cash, but, you know. And you have to choose a box. Whatever box you choose is the box that you decide to take. Now, at the end, the host would actually offer you another chance to say, you've got a box that you've chosen before the start of the program, but you can also swap that box. Now, this is what life's all about. We have boxes and sometimes we don't know what's in that box. But there's one person that knows what's in those boxes. And that's our Lord God. And the only way we can find out what's in those boxes, spiritually speaking, is when we walk with him. Because he is the one that will say, here is the way. Walk in it. So it's important in life that we choose rightly because at the end some of those choices will bring us joy they will bring us satisfaction but the flip side of it is that it could also bring us pain and it could bring us stress now let's go back to our lord jesus christ jesus was constantly under a lot of pressure by people by the Pharisees, by the religious teachers, by the Sadducees who were sad. There was a lot of demand on his time. People misunderstood him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him because they didn't really know who he was. But one thing was that he never lost his peace. He was true to who he was. He knew who he was, and that was how he lived his life. He stood his ground, never lost sight of who he was and what his assignment was. So, who are you? Who is the real you? When that veil is taken off, when the mask is taken off, who do we see behind the mask? Now, point is, if you don't know who you are, others will try to tell you who you are. They'll try to mold you into who you're not because that is, their, that is what they think that you are. They'll put so much pressure on you to measure up, to ensure that you're living a life, a life of lies. To ensure that you meet up to standards. Standards that were not given to you by God. 
you must know who you are. And not only must you know who you are, you must know whose you are. Now, I'm going to stop and share a short story with us. There was a little girl, I think about five or six years old, who was on a plane. She was flying from one country to another. Now, for those of us who fly, or those of you who fly regularly, um, there are times when on the flight there's turbulence. Um, I'm not that techy in that area, but I know it's like when the plane goes through certain clouds and they have to break into certain clouds, and you find that the plane gets a bit uneasy. Now, she was on this plane reading a little, uh, reading a book, and there was a lot of turbulence. And people started screaming, people started praying, you know. That's when, you know, you hear people praying and praying in tongues and those who were Catholics bring out their rosaries and people were just panicking. And this man said, he looked around and this little girl was there, sitting there, calm. She would read a book, fall asleep, read a book, fall asleep. But during the turbulence, she was just so calm. And he couldn't understand because normally children would you know, big panic, they will start to cry, but she was just so calm. Now, he said he was very curious, and once they got off the plane, he approached the girl, who was now with the guardian, and said, can I just ask this little girl a question? And I think the lady, the elster said, yes, go ahead. And she said, can I just ask you, when there was a big turbulence on the plane, you weren't concerned, you weren't worried. Why is that? Can you guess what her answer was? My dad was flying the plane and I knew that he would get me home safely. You know, that actually made me emotional. And that is why the Bible says we need to see God through the eyes of little children. My dad was flying the plane. The Bible says he holds us in the palm of his hands. We, ha we are his children. So I'm going to tell you who I feel you are. And not actually who I feel, but who I know that you are. And that's because that is what scripture tells us. You are a redeemed child of God. And you're not on this earth by accident. You're here for a purpose. You are called. You're anointed. Because God has a plan for you. And because of that, you are very significant. He went to the cross for you as well as everyone else. You are the apple of his eyes. This is one thing I say to myself every so often. I am the apple of God's eyes and you are the apple of God's eyes. You are deeply loved by him and you are fully accepted. You don't have to be somebody else. God loves you just the way you are. You know, when Jesus asked the disciples and said, who do you say I am? He already knew who he was. He had said it time and time and time again. He knew who he was, but he wanted them 
to understand who he is, having spent so much time with him. Now, let's not forget that they were in training. Jesus was actually training them for when he would live. So it was important that they knew who he was so that when he left earth, they were able to continue that work. So who are you and whose are you? It's important that we settle that in our minds. When we know who we are and we know whose we are, we would walk the surface of this, of this earth differently. Now, God invites us into a life of Christ, a life that is true and a life that is normal. And that's why we are called his body. We're called his church. And we are the bride of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8 very quickly. Romans 8, verse 16 to 18. Romans 8, 16 to 18. It says, For this spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Now, I know a lot of people might not like that last bit. We like to share in the glory, but no one wants to share in his suffering. Now, God has spelt it out for us. We are his children. We are joint heirs with Christ. And because we are joint heirs with Christ, the inheritance that Christ has is also the inheritance that we have. But also the assignment that Christ has is also the assignment that each one of us has. And that is why it says we should also be prepared to share in his suffering. But we know that Christ's suffering brought us redemption. It brought us restoration. It brought us provision. It brought us healing. So if only for what we were going to get or what we are already experiencing at the end of it, then that suffering is minute compared to the blessings, compared to the glory that we would receive in the end. Amen. You know, the Bible says that we are a chosen generation, a chosen generation. And that is what we need to hold on to. We have been chosen by him. We have been called out of the Mariclay, out of the pits of hell. And we're sitting in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. I mean, that is such a joy to know. But we can only know and we can only walk in the knowledge of that when we know who we are and whose we are. You know, I'm going to finish off with this. And it was something that I read 
um, in one of my devotionals. It says, each day, remind yourself, Jesus died for me. I died with him. When I die to him, another passage says, when I die to self, he lives in me. When he lives in me, I can live in, I can live for him. And this is the secret of a victorious Christian life. Who are you? And whose are you? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, it is such a joy to know that we are your children, that we are joint heirs with your son, Jesus Christ. For you are the one that first called us. And we thank you because you did not leave us in our sinful ways. Father, today we can say, Abba, Father, because that is who you are. And because we know whose we are, we can walk in that knowledge. We can hold our heads high. And we can say, we are children of the Most High God. And as children of the Most High God, we can accomplish all that our brother, Jesus Christ, accomplished. We thank you, Father, for the word that has come forth today, that, Lord, we not only be hearers, but also doers of it. In Jesus' name, amen. I do trust you've been blessed by the word today. Let us remember we are children of the Most High God, and we are called. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.